Amen. Today is Resurrection Sunday, and here's what I want to ask. The, the question I want to ask is, what does it all mean? What does it all mean? All over the world right now, people are celebrating the resurrection of Jesus. And that is good. And we should be. And it's exciting to be able to do that. But for many people, this day is more about chocolate bunnies, you know, hard-boiled eggs, jelly beans, candy, which in my opinion are all great things. I love all of those things. But in the midst of that kind of celebration, it can be easy for us to forget what it's really all about. The real true meaning of what this Resurrection Sunday, Easter, is really all about. So today, that's what I want to break down. Today, I want to answer this question, what does it all mean? And I'm going to read to you in a few minutes from Matthew chapter 28. Uh, Not long ago, um, I finished reading the book of Luke, the Gospel of Luke, in my personal Uh, Bible study time. I read a little bit every day and kind of worked through that. When I got to the end of it, the last chapter, which is the 24th chapter, that chapter is solely dedicated to the resurrection of Jesus. And though I've read it many, many times, I'm very familiar with the whole story, and I've read the Luke many times, I was just moved once again by just the wisdom and the power and the might of God and his plan to allow Jesus to die and then to come back to life. I was just very moved by it again. But I was done with the book of Luke, and I thought about it, and I thought, well, what's next? What should I read next? And it just kind of seemed logical for, to me to move on in my personal Bible study to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, if you're not familiar, was also written by Luke. It's actually Luke part two. It's, uh, if you read it, it kind of flows right from uh, the end of Luke right into uh, the, the, the story after with Jesus. It begins with Jesus ascending into heaven, and then it's Acts is short for Acts of the Apostles and all the things that happened with the church after Jesus ascended to heaven. But I have to confess that as I was reading the book of Acts, just the first few verses of it, and Jesus ascends into heaven, I just, I, I was kind of bummed, you know? I thought, I'm not, I just finished spending months reading the book of Luke. And I got to the the climatic end where Jesus comes back from the dead, back from the dead, and now I'm moving on to where he's going up to heaven. And I kind of felt like, if I was honest, I was like, I don't really want to read this right now. I really want to just kind of marinate in this a little bit. I just want to sit in it for a little while. This whole idea of Jesus coming back from the dead, I wanted to just to to, to think about it. But then it dawned on me that even the followers of Jesus at the time, they got 40 days to be with Jesus before he went back into heaven. If you, if you know the story, Jesus rose from the dead and, and, and lived on the earth for 40 more days and then went to heaven. So I thought, well, if they get 40 days, I'm going to take 40 days. And so that's what I decided. I looked at the calendar and the day that I had this sort of you know, this thought was actually March 1st. Looked at the calendar and I thought, I counted out 40 days from March 1st. Just happens to be that the 40th day is today. I was like, well, if that's not a sign from God. So I have spent the last 40 days praying and reading multiple scriptures and just sort of meditating and thinking about the, the, the power and the whole idea of Jesus coming back from the dead. 
you know, I told a friend of mine that I was doing this. I was like, this is amazing. And it turns out it's exactly 40 days before Easter. And he said, yeah, he said, you know what? That's what Lent is, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, I stumbled into Catholicism and didn't even realize it. I was like, and uh, as we were sitting at the uh, restaurant and I just finished a cheeseburger, I told him, I said, you know, I didn't really give anything up. And he pointed at my empty plate and said, yeah, I can tell. And, um, and I said, but, uh, but it's been amazing to sit and to really just sort of just think about and meditate on, uh, on, on the resurrection for the last 40 days. And my point is, it's been incredibly transformative for me personally. Now, it's not a story that I haven't heard before, but it's something that I've really allowed myself to, to embrace and to think about. And I've really learned a lot. In fact, this past Wednesday, I did a little prequel lesson for our midweek service on suffering. It's sort of a, a prequel to the, to, to the resurrection. And uh, if you missed that lesson, it's online and you can, you can hear it. But one of the insights that I learned in this Bible study is, this is an example, is that the resurrection of Jesus is the result of God saying no to a prayer request. The resurrection of Jesus is, is the result of God saying no to a prayer request. You think about how many prayer requests we lay before the Lord. And I don't know about you, but there are times when I pray and I feel God has said no to my request, that it's hard not to be hurt. And it's hard not to feel like, come on, God. I mean, you're all powerful. You can do anything. It's no sweat off your back to do this thing that I want. But for some reason, you've said no. But the resurrection is the result of God saying no to a prayer request. Because remember, Jesus prayed in the garden multiple times. I don't want to do this. Please change the path. I don't, I don't want to do this. And the answer essentially to him was no. But what was on the other side of that no was what we celebrate today, the resurrection. And so today, what I'm going to do is I'm going to launch a Sunday series that extends for the next 40 days. For the next 40 days, we're going to uh, do a Sunday series, which, you know, there's only six Sundays in the next 40 days, but for the next, the, the next six Sundays, we're going to launch a series on the resurrection. Because I thought instead of just us talking about it one day and then moving on with our life, why don't we, like the, uh, the early followers of Jesus, why don't we just sit in it for 40 days? Why don't we just think about it? I'm going to do the lessons on Sundays, and, and it's up to you if you want to dive into it as well. I don't know what you're studying, you're doing on your personal Bible study, but maybe you might want to also dive in and think about it and read up on it as well. There will be one Sunday, just full disclosure, there will be one Sunday when we're all going to meet together in Clifton at the beginning of May, and the, the campus students are leading that service, and I have no idea what they're going to do. So we won't do, they, may, they probably won't do the resurrection, but all the other Sundays, including today, uh, we're going to talk about the resurrection. In fact, that's what I'm going to kick off with today is an overview answering this question, what does it all mean? So let's read together Matthew chapter 28. Okay. What does this all mean? Matthew 28, beginning in verse one, this is Matthew's account of the resurrection of Jesus. It says, after the Sabbath, 
At dawn, on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. There was a violent earthquake, for an angel of the Lord came down from heaven and going to the tomb, rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were white as snow. The guards, the guards were so afraid of him that they shook and became like dead men. The angel said to the woman, do not be afraid, for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples. He had risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell the disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, like Toji was sharing, clasped his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Wow, what an amazing, an amazing story of Jesus coming back from the dead. And when you read this, if you really dive into it, there's a lot of little nuggets of insights that you and I can pull out of this to, to learn about what this whole resurrection thing is all about. But let me say this one. I think one of the big things that stands out just in this passage that we read is this. The resurrection means that God is approachable. The resurrection means that God is approachable. Again, think about this scenario. The women arrive at the tomb and there's an angel of the Lord there. The angel has just moved this stone out of the way. And the Bible says then the angel sat on it, which I kind of love that visual. I don't know why he sat on it. Maybe it was a, maybe it was exhausted. Maybe it was just a big, heavy stone. Or maybe it was just sort of a, a, a symbol of triumph. You know, but the angel moves and this angel's, it's a, his appearance was, it says like lightning. His clothes were, he looked like lightning and there was an earthquake. I mean, everything about this scenario is intimidating. In fact, it's so intimidating that the soldiers, the trained soldiers that are standing nearby to guard the tomb, what do they do? They fall down and play dead. They're not dead, but they just pretend dead. Because they're so intimidated and afraid of this scenario. And what is it then that the angel says to the Marys? First thing, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. It's okay. You're looking for Jesus. In fact, a few verses later, they actually run into Jesus. And Jesus says what? Hey, what's happening? <laughs> Greetings. I mean, there's everything about this intimidating, incredibly intense situation that scared the average person. Everything about it says, though, to, to the Marys is God wants to be approachable. God is inviting us in. God is saying to us, hey, listen, come and be part 
of a relationship with me. This is something that seems small, but it's revolutionary. I know it changed my life when I came to this understanding. I grew up also going to church my whole life and kind of saw it as a, a list of rules and do's and don'ts and you gotta do this, you can't do this. That's kind of all that it was to me. And it was when I was 15 years old that somebody actually sat down with me because I had brought all these questions and I was really skeptical and I was like, what about this, what about this, what about this? And they listened to me and then they opened the Bible and they helped me understand from the Bible at age 15, I'll never forget, but they helped me understand that God is actually approachable. Not only approachable, but he's inviting us to him. That's the message of the resurrection. That yes, God is big. Yes, God is powerful. Yes, God can scare the average person. But what God wants is for you and I to approach him. That's what he's trying to communicate to us through this resurrection. This is a picture of the Biltmore estate. Maybe you've been there. I've been there a couple times. It is located in Asheville, North Carolina. It was finished being built in 1895. It was built by George Vanderbilt. It was his summer home. It was built for him and his wife and his daughter, who was an only child. So this house was a summer home <laughs> built for three people. This house is 179,000 square feet. Take your house and then multiply it by 179, or whatever it may be. I mean, this is a huge house. In fact, at one point, I don't know if it still is, but at one point, it was the largest single family home in the United States. Single family home. I mean, now it's basically a museum. You can go there, you can take tours of it, and that's what I've done many times. It sat at its height, it sat on 125,000 acres. In fact, when you go on the tour, you get to see the, the rooms of, you know, the Vanderbilt family, but then you get to go upstairs and see the rooms of the servants. But then you get to go up to upstairs and see the rooms of the servants of the servants. That's how amazingly huge this house was. The servants had servants. And on the tour, they tell a story as you're walking through the grand dining room, which is this beautifully huge, just ornate, high ceilings, huge fireplaces, big tables. It's this beautiful room. And they tell a story about one time when the Vanderbilts were having a big party, a big formal party, and all their guests were there, and all the important people were there, lots of people in this dining room. It was just, it was a very uh, intimidating, a very, you know, sort of big event. And there was a girl who was a servant and she, it was her first day. She was young. She was 14 years old. And she was walking through the dining room in the midst of this huge party carrying a tray. And it was her first day. At age 14, she's walking through and she stumbled and dropped the tray. And it fell to the ground. Everything shattered right there in front of everybody. All of the guests in this grand dining room, I mean, it was incredibly, it was terrifying for her, as you can imagine. And everybody, everything stopped, and people didn't know what to do. But they tell the story on the tour that George Vanderbilt himself got up, walked over from his table, over to the girl, got down on his knees, and started helping her 
clean up the mess. That's being approachable. That's what we're talking about. And that is exactly what God has done through the resurrection. Christians, we've got to stop being scared of God. We've got to stop being scared of God. Now, I understand we need to respect God, and God is certainly worthy of our respect, and there's a sense of holy fear of God. I understand all those things, but God works so hard for us not to be afraid. Over and over and over, he tells us, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. He has gone to great lengths. He has sacrificed a lot in order to make himself approachable. God wants you to approach him. But some of us, I'm afraid, are more like the soldiers, right? We get scared. We get intimidated. And then we may even try to play dead, right? You know, we're walking around church, people giving hugs. You're like, oh, no, oh, no, here he comes. Don't hug me. Don't hug me. Don't hug me. Don't hug me. <laughs> you're like, you're just playing dead. You know what I'm saying? You're like, oh, 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 yes. All right. Hi, how's it going? You know, you're like, just walk on by, you know. But it's because we're afraid, And the truth is, or maybe you don't want to get COVID, and that's okay. We don't want to do that as well. But my point is, let's get rid of the fear God has worked so hard to make himself approachable. Let us embrace that. That is the point of the resurrection, is that God says, don't be afraid. This is big. This is epic. This is huge. But you, come to me. Come to me. Especially... We need to remember that God is approachable when we are in need. And sometimes, unfortunately, when we're in need, that is the last thing that we want to do is go before God. But God says no, especially when we're in need. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16 says, Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has gone through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are yet without sin. Says This is, again, Hebrews chapter 4. It says, let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. There's nothing that God wants more, especially, especially when you are hurting, especially when you are in need. There's nothing he wants more than for you and I to understand that he is approachable. Come to him. Let's read on. Back in Matthew chapter 28, picking up with our story, verse 11, it says, while the women were on their way, some of the guards went into the city and reported to the chief priest everything that had happened. These are the guards who played dead, right? They got up and they went in and told the chief priest everything that happened. Verse 12 says, When the chief priest had met with the elders and devised a plan, they gave the soldiers a large sum of money, telling them, You are to say, his disciples came during the night and stole him away while we were asleep. If this report gets to the governor, we will satisfy him and keep you out of trouble. So the soldiers took the money and did as they were instructed. And this story has been widely circulated among the Jews to this very day. The next thing I think that the the resurrection teaches us is one, that God is approachable, 
But the resurrection also teaches us that God is credible. God is credible, not incredible. I mean, God is incredible. But the resurrection teaches us. What does it mean? It means that God is credible. God is credible. Go back to this story we just read. Do you understand what's going on here? The soldiers get up after they played dead and everything, you know, all the fireworks have calmed down. They go to the, the religious leaders and they come up with a plan. They say, listen, we're going to give you some money and here's what you're going to say. You're going to say you fell asleep. And when you fell asleep, the disciples came and rolled away the stone, pulled out his body, and while, all this while you were sleeping and, and took the body away. That's what we're going to tell people. And don't worry, if the story gets back to the governor and he's upset because his soldiers were sleeping, we'll cover for you. We'll take care of it. You won't get in trouble. Just take this money and this is what you are going to say. And that's what they did. In fact, at the point of this writing in Matthew chapter 20, at the point that this was written, this story was still being circulated. This story that the disciples had stolen away the body. Why? Why would they do that? Why would they make up a story and pay cash to make sure that that story got circulated? Why would they do that? Because they knew that, that this resurrection made God credible. What it meant, the, the truth is, is that Jesus came back from the dead. And because Jesus came back from the dead, that now means that everything he taught Everything he said, everything he predicted is actually true. The resurrection was the stamp. It was the final exclamation point. It was, hey, it's true. I mean, think about this for a second. I shared on Wednesday a little bit about the passing of my father. My dad passed away a little over a year ago. And I shared about how I've been wrestling with it. I've been very grieved and very sad. And, uh, but I will tell you this. If we, were, if we were here in church, kind of hanging out, having fellowship, and all of a sudden I look up and my dad walked in, I, don't, I would probably stop what I was doing and I would go see my dad. And then if I went over to my dad, not, I don't mean his ghost. I don't mean like a reflection or a photo. or so I mean like he's there, like his body comes in and he's alive. I would go. And if he said, Phil, listen, hold on. I have a message for you. You better believe I would listen. I wouldn't be like, oh, dad, that's a message. Oh, from beyond. Now, you know, I really don't have to. I really, I guess got to finish wrapping up some chords here. No, I'd be like, guys, I got to go. I'm going to, well, first of all, my dad. But second of all, he's got a message. Why? Because when you come back from the dead, it gives you credibility. It gives you credibility because people don't do that. In fact, death is the thing that, that none of us, Nobody in all of our genius and all of our intelligence and all of our, you know, AI and computers and smartphones, we haven't been able to defeat death. It's still going to happen to everybody. But Jesus came back. Not his ghost, not a picture of him, not an idea of him, not an aberration. It was his physical body. We know that because he ate food. I mean, he, he said, yeah, let's, let's sit and eat. I mean, his body came back. And so that makes everything he says credible. Jesus is the only religious leader who ever came back from the dead. Buddha, Confucius, Muhammad, um, Joseph Smith, uh, Mother Teresa, I don't know, you name it. You name any religious leader. All may be great 
people and obviously influenced others, but all of them are dead. They're dead. And let's think about living leaders like the Pope or, I don't know, the Dalai Lama or Dr. Phil or, I don't know, wherever you get your spiritual, all of that is, is good people, but, it, but they will all die at some point. The thing that makes Jesus different than every other, I was going to say spiritual leader, but just every other leader, period, ever, is that he died and then he physically came back and went to heaven and has never died again. I mean, the serious student has to, has to, has to wrestle with that. You're like, I don't know about this Christianity thing. That's, what, that's the reason why I'm a Christian. That's the reason why I'm not, I'm not I, I don't do it. All paths don't lead to the same place because this guy stood superior over everybody else. That's right. So what he taught is credible. That's right. You can trust Jesus's words. When Jesus says he is the only way to God right. in John chapter 14, he backed it up. When Jesus says, do not worry about tomorrow, in Matthew chapter 6, you can trust that. When Jesus says, you must be born again, John chapter 3, you can believe that. You can trust that. When Jesus said, with God, all things are possible, in Mark chapter 10, you can trust that. You can trust. You can put your life in the hands of the words of God. Because he backed it up with something incredibly tangible. A resurrection. Acts 17, verse 31. This is speaking of God and Jesus. It says, For he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof to this all, uh, given proof of this to all men by raising him from the dead. That's the proof. That's it. I mean, anybody can walk around and teach things and, and, and a good teacher can actually have an impact and maybe m- many people will, will, be, will follow. But Jesus distinguished himself because after he died, he came back to life through the power of God. Nobody's, no, no one's ever done that. No one's come back to life never to die again. What is the resurrection? What does this mean? It means God is approachable. It means God is credible. And let me close out with one more. Back to Matthew chapter 28, verse 16. It says, Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When, he saw, when they saw him, they worshipped. But some doubted. Yeah, some doubted. They're like, ah. You got anything else? I know you just came back from the dead, but you got any other things? Verse 18 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What does this all mean? One, it means God is approachable. Please, come to God. Two, it means God is credible. Please, believe in God. 
And finally, it also means, the resurrection means that with God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Think about what we just read. Think about what we just read. So after the resurrection, Jesus gathers the 11. Remember, there's 11 because Judas is no longer with them. But there's 11, and they, they saw the risen Lord, you know, and, and, and they worship, but they, some doubted as well. You know, it's amazing where Jesus takes these, these, this group of people who are just full of weakness still. I mean, like I, I jokingly, you know, made the joke that they doubted, but think about that. They're seeing Jesus right there, and they're still not sure. They clearly didn't understand him. In fact, it wouldn't be till a little later that they truly understand what's happening and what's going on. And uh, in fact, they had not long before they had deserted him. That's how weak they were. They, they, they had left him. Some of them are doubting. And not to mention, this is a group of people who had no cars. This is a group of people who didn't have iPhones. A group of people who didn't have a TV or internet or Instagram or VHS there, Matt. Or they didn't know, you know, the, there's people that didn't have all these conveniences. In fact, we later learned that the Bible refers to them as ordinary, uneducated people who likely, likely probably haven't, hadn't traveled up to that point more than, say, I don't know, 100 miles outside of their hometown. You know, I mean, they had this is the group of men. And Jesus looks at them and he says, you, you take my message to the whole world. Why? Because through the resurrection with God, Anything is possible. Anything is possible. Any, I mean, think about that. This group of weak, unskilled, they don't have all the conveniences we have. I mean, all this. And, and, and Jesus looks at them and goes, you guys, you, 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 you're the ones who are going to tell everybody, the whole world. Why? Because through the resurrection, with God, anything is possible. You know, we have to really think about the power of the resurrection. I mean, think about it. Yesterday, I, I thought about it a lot because yesterday was Saturday. It was the day between Friday and Sunday, right? You check your calendars. That's how it usually works. And I, you made it, don't believe me. But Friday was the day Jesus was crucified. And Sunday was the day that he came back from the dead. And then Saturday, but Saturday was just a full day and you just got to, I just, I think, what were they thinking? I mean, anybody who has ever lost a loved one, you know that what's almost as equally as, as hard as the day you lose them, it's the day after. That's right. It's the next day when you wake up and you realize, oh, it's not a dream. You kind of maybe hoped it was, but it's not. And this is the first of the rest of your life where you're going to wake up and they're not going to be there. And the Bible says, actually, in Luke 23, that the women that the women who had followed Jesus went to the tomb on Friday. Um, they went with Joseph of, of Amarathia. Uh, Joseph, of, jo Joseph of Amarathia. I, I know I'm saying it wrong. Yeah, that guy. It buried him. They went there, and, and then they went home, the Bible says, and they prepared spices and perfume for Jesus' body. But they didn't go back Friday night but Saturday, they probably would have gone, but they didn't because it was a Sabbath. And the Bible says, in keeping with the Sabbath, they rested. And so here are a handful of women who on Friday were mourning and preparing to, to take care of the body of Jesus, but were forced by God's law 
to just sit for a whole day. And what would that day have been like? I mean, just a, a, a must have been a painful, painful day. And that's why Sunday morning, when as soon as the sun came up, they were gone. They went. They left. They went to go see the body of Jesus. And then they come across this miracle. You just got to appreciate for a second how opposite that was from their expectations. Their expectation was just to show up and to be able to anoint the body, the dead body of Jesus. And what they found was incredibly different. And it was such a swing from their expectations. They saw firsthand with God, anything is possible. Anything is possible. That's the message of the resurrection. Psalm 50 verse 1. It says, the mighty one, God, the Lord, speaks and summons the earth from the rising of the sun to the place where it sets. Isn't that that amazing? God speaks and just calls the sun from where it rises until where it sets. That's the power of God. Are there obstacles in your life right now that just seem too big, too unbearable, maybe even impossible? Is there something right now that's stretching your faith and pulling you, maybe exposing weaknesses inside of you, showing that? Are these areas, are there areas where Jesus is is calling you to be something more, to believe? Remember the resurrection. If he can beat death, he can take care of you. He can take care of your situation. What does it all mean? What is this resurrection all about? Well, this is the beginning of a series of lessons we're going to start talking about the resurrection. But in its summary, it's just in its simplest point. The resurrection means that God is approachable. God is credible. With God, anything is possible. We're going to close out here our service today. Thank you for coming. Really great to have everybody here. But we're going to close out with a song. The name of this song is Power. It talks about how Jesus, Jesus rose. It says, he rose from the dead, just like he said. Temple will be destroyed. Build it again in three days. Power, power. That's what we're, that is the power that we're going to see is actually available to us because of the resurrection. So let's marinate on this. Let's let the power of the resurrection change our hearts and move us closer to God. And let's stand up and we're going to close out with one more song. Thank you.